0: This, this is. Make it
1: Make it kind. M. I. P. With Massimilia Matfumo. Mark Thompson. Make it kind. Get woke.
0: The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes.
1: Take a look at the tragic anniversary of the Buffalo shooting. What is going on when it comes to domestic terrorism? And isn't that becoming more of an issue than ever before? We're happy to have with us from uh, the oldest, the boldest, the most cussed, most discussed civil rights organization. Uh, of which I am a faithful member of the NAACP. She's the director of Opportunity, Race, and Justice. Keisha Dana Ryan joins us on Make It Plain. Keisha, how are you?
0: Thank you so much for having me, Robert Mark. I am great today, so thank you.
1: Uh, It's an honor to have you. So first of all, your thoughts and NAACP's thoughts and reflections on one year since Buffalo.
0: So this is a... This is a situation that's impacting America and also Black America specifically across our nation. And it's because there's two things involved. One, we have a direct target. Black and brown people have a direct target on their back for domestic terrorism. Um, It has been ongoing and longstanding since the history and the foundation of this country, whether it comes from um, slavery to mass incarceration to the new Jim Crow lynchings, um, you know, uh, school-to-prison pipeline systems. There's been a long-standing target and aim on the backs of Black and brown people. Domestic terrorism has been growing, and one, because we don't have um, the correct policies in place around police police and FBI taking these types of things accountable and holding accountable hate crimes. In addition to when we look at gun control across our country and the mobilization of how guns are easily accessible and used um, across our nation to kill people, it's, it's an ongoing issue. So there's multiple complex layers that go into domestic terrorism, but it is on the rise.
1: And I guess, too, sometimes people categorize certain things as terrorism and other things just fall into the, the, the category of mass shootings. But we're seeing really more and more every day of, of an overlap and an intersection, aren't, aren't we?
0: And and I'll give you a little bit of a definition. So that's a really great point. When we think about mass shootings and we think about what direct, ter, direct I'm sorry, domestic terrorism stands for. And so by the definition of domestic terrorism, it is a terrorist act in a perpetrator's own country against fellow citizens, right? So when we think about hate, we think about targeted hate agenda. When we think about someone um, specifically race profiling, gender profiling, or even from a LGBTQ plus profiling, that is what's considered domestic terrorism. So we have a historic, um, specifically in, in the most recent cases of um, people attending, you know, grocery stores, but black people to being targeted in those grocery stores and being murdered. When we think about black churches, folks coming into the black churches, targeting black churches and then um causing um, harm and or um, crime and hurt and pain. And, and also with domestic terrorism, people also assume that it is just gun violence. It is not. Domestic terrorism can come in the form of um, acts of um, verbal abuse. It could come in the form of um, conversations around the ways that we target and racially profile um, when it comes to physical abuse. And then, of course, in the worst case, when it comes to gun violence. And so that's really the definition of domestic terrorism. Is it a targeted, it's a targeted act of hate and crime. Um, and so we see an escalation of that. And we look at that also from our Asian, um, our AAPI, our or Asian um, and Island, Pacific Islander um, folks and how they are also being targeted. So hate crimes are on the rise because uh, there is a, in my opinion, um, Reverend Mark, to speak openly, there is a white supremacist conversation about white hierarchy and power in this country. And, and of course, you being um, an expert on that, we know that that's not going away. And as the fear and as that guilt continues to rise in black and, you know, um, in white America against black America, that's where a lot of the hate crimes are targeted It's because of this white supremacy culture. We continue to allow to perpetuate in our country.
1: Now, I want to note something you said, though, that an active it sounds like you were, if, I, if I heard it all correctly and the actual definition,
0: mm-hmm.
1: an act of domestic terrorism it, it, it need not be exclusively violent or involve firearms and act an act of hate hateful language that too is an act of of terrorism domestic terrorism
0: the fbi on their website actually defines domestic terrorism as violent criminal act um committed by individuals or a group to further ideological goals stemming from domestic influence political religious social racial and environmental And so that's where the FBI designates domestic terrorism. And so you are correct. It is a violent crime, but it is also a criminal act that can be done against another group of humans or human beings. And then again, we see it on the rise. And we also see a lack of data that um, depicts. So the FBI did do a hate crime report that we know that there was insufficient data because alongside when we look at police reform, those data collections are not being done correctly and they're not being utilized correctly. So we're not getting even the right data on who's being targeted. Right. Um, around domestic terrorism.
1: We've been talking for years about data collection and <laughs> it still hasn't been done right. What, <laughs> yeah. what is that about? Is, I guess it's just that difficult because we have to rely on every individual policing agency, I guess, and, and policing force. And I guess it's hard. There's no one place where all of those agencies can be held accountable.
0: Correct. And so, Reverend Mark, you hit it right on the head. When we look at policing across the nation, there is an executive order by the Biden administration that really calls for a universal um, understanding and data set. However, because policing is done differently in each state, whether it be state policing, whether it be local policing, whether it be sheriff, whether it be um, it could be state patrol, all of those things fit under different categories and unfortunately different rules alongside individual politicians vote either for or against these things, which also makes it more complex in each state. And so you're right, there is no universal system that exists. It's been an ongoing discussion and a push for us to collect clear and concise data, particularly to protect the rights of Black and brown people across our nation. But it has not been utilized because a lot of, the, a lot of what uh, politicians are saying is, we just don't have the infrastructure. We just don't have the ability to fund the infrastructure. In my opinion, Reverend Mark, I don't think that's the case. It's about accountability. They do not want clear and concise information being given out into our nation in order for us to hold accountable those discussions. And that's where the disconnect comes in.
1: And, and my audience knows this is my my pet project, folks. You know, we, policing is governed locally.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, that's why, when you're about to understand this, to change this, data collection is just one of the first steps. But if we're not each and every one of us involved locally we're not going a national tweet isn't going to stop your local police force right all right so so what Keisha's is trying to help us understand is you know and and let's be real and you know obviously I'm biased but it's just a, a, a matter of fact historical fact right the NAACP is the only civil rights organization that has as many branches widespread with an infrastructure all over the country in most cities so that's right. why we say, that, and I know this is what Keisha's doing, empowering the local branches to press and push in their locale. You know, it, I'd say to people, Keisha, Martin Luther King didn't come. If Martin Luther King came today with people, I'd probably tell him to start a national organization and get an Instagram account, <laughs> right? No, but then he's, but they said, no, no, we're in Montgomery. We're going to deal right. in Montgomery. One thing and, and you deal in one place and then it affects everywhere else. So this is important folks, data collection. And 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 again, Keisha, e- expound on just how significant. What a big difference if we had data collect- data collection the way we should. What a big
0: difference that would make. Oh, Robert, Mark, it's a game changer, and I'll tell you why. Data is fact. It's scientific. There is no way to misconstrue data. There's no way to take data and not and push it towards an agenda. That's not the case. Data is factual, and so as we continue to see across the nation, police brutality. Um, the murders of innocent people by police, not being held accountable, different jurisdictions. It causes an issue and continues to raise issues that we need to do better as a nation in holding accountable this structure, which, by the way, the structure was created in white supremacy, right? So policing was created to bounty hunt and to hold accountable the slaves that were that were running and also for, you know, different slave action. And so This entire militarized structure and system has built on a very different concept of what we need. And and I will say there's a difference. We need, as a nation, safe and healthy neighborhoods. We need opportunity to also feel safe. And if we don't have data that allows us to see why and how we do not feel safe, it continues to have a negative impact, not only from a generational trauma perspective, not only from a lack of accountability perspective, but we continue to have a divide in how our bipartisan um, agendas really need to be. So this is not a Republican or Democrat conversation. This is about creating safe and healthy neighborhoods for Black and bound people, which is a right. It is a right of how we sit in, in, in the way that we utilize our voting rights and in our country. So I would agree. Data is everything. And um, I would also go further to say when um, our black and brown communities have the ability to vote, as you mentioned before, we need to vote and we need to vote on agendas that are specific to how our outcomes are because of gun violence, because of police brutality, because of, you know, domestic terrorism. If your politicians are not talking about that subject, they need to be.
1: Of course, the NAACP um, uh, supports the George Floyd justice and policing act. Right. Um, also the NAAC ports, it supports ending qualified immunity, correct? For police yes. officers. Right. So just that's on the police front folks. But now what about gun violence, uh, overall, what, what are some of the ideas that you have in terms of gun violence and, and gun reform?
0: Reverend Mark, I am a huge, huge proponent for, um, having better gun control in this country, the NAACP understands that this is not just a conversation about domestic terrorism and police brutality. This is a conversation about interpersonal violence as well and how we continue to circulate violence in our communities across the country. And so when we think about gun control, we think about three things that come top of mind. One is the ban of assault weapons. Anything with, you know, magazines over 11 bullets, anything that have AR-15 or military-grade um, weapons. In addition to that, we need to have better control. So I hear a lot that folks say, oh, well, it's never going to happen, but it's happening, right? There are some states, to your point, that are taking a stance on, I don't want these types of guns circulating on my streets. It's killing our people. The abs- the, the, the ability, it's not used for gaming. It's not used for sport. It is used um, to hurt and for terrorism. And so those things are what we stand for. The second thing is um, stand your ground. So we would like to ban stand your ground laws across the nation. That's something that is continued to target and racially profile black people. Um, and the third, which is, is universal background checks. And so we want to ensure that mental checks, universal background checks, are something that can be held um, in a standard of gun control. But in addition, we're holding some of these um, gun shops and gun owners that have the ability to sell weapons in control as well. It should be monitored. Someone should not be able to walk into a gun shop and buy 11, 12, 15, AR-15s all at one shot. That doesn't even make common sense. Why and what would someone need that for? And so, yes, we are big. um, We stand very strong and are big proponents for gun control. Um, We want to ensure that, again, this is a state conversation, that we mobilize our state leaders along with our political leaders to take action. And I know that we hear, too, Reverend Mark, about, well, it's the protection of my family it's the protection of my rights. Then it's not the case. Right. This is about the conversation of the circulation of the amount of guns in states that allow those guns to recirculate back on the streets. Those are killing people. They're killing innocent people. They're not killing. They're not doing the things that they think that they could. the guns are doing. No, it's killing innocent people, killing children in our schools. It's killing innocent people in grocery stores. It's killing innocent people, you know, in churches. We need to take a stance about gun control and ensure that we can um, fight for policies that protect people.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And then, of course, too, there's the issue of of corporate accountability, Mm
0: -hmm. social
1: media accountability, because that's what's helping the flan, fan the flame of some of these white supremacist ideologies
0: you are so spot on. And when you said media, I I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, we have media platforms right now that do nothing but spew racial segregation. In. And so we need to hold those both media organizations and we need to hold those social media organizations accountable. I mean, the right to freedom of speech can only go so far until it actually hurts an individual. And so first thing I would say is one, um, make sure that you have your d- back to data. Data is factual. It doesn't lie. And the second is, is that news can always sway a situation. But what we do understand is black and brown people are being targeted in this country. And we need to hold those news outlets accountable to true, um, true, clear and concise information. And so we can talk up against Twitter. We can hold Fox News accountable, right? They should be held accountable. Their standards of um, segregation should be held accountable. And so those are things that I would 100% on the forefront. And the NAACP and our and our president, Derek Johnson, has openly spoke up against these organizations that continue to spew hate and continue to perpetuate a negative narrative and target on Black people's backs. It's it, So that's the thing, right? It's this negative narrative that we have built in this country around what Black and brown people are, who we are, how we are, and the way that we should live in this country. That's not the case. We should have um, we should have better dialogue and better narrative. so I'll give you a quick example of how many black people didn't go to college. Well, why wouldn't we say the narrative is how many black people did? Um, so those are things that we need to shift and hold media accountable for.
1: absolutely. Uh, it, it also frankly doesn't help when people have when networks have hour and a half town halls.
0: you
1: know, to give people an opportunity just to spew venom and make up things and attack women. You know, there, there used to be some journalistic responsibility. I guess that's what's in jeopardy now. And and, right. it, and it's scary because it enables that type of behavior.
0: I think for and Mark, when I got into this field of work and I was younger, I'll never forget the negative narrative they had pinned on um, Trayvon Martin mm-hmm. or the negative narrative um, they pinned on Breonna Taylor. These people were murdered. Their lives were taken. At a young age, they have their whole lives ahead of them. But when we look at some of the dialogue, and, and I think this is a good thing for your viewers to really take note on, when we look at the dialogue of what white shooters are doing when they shoot up elementary schools or they shoot up high school, it's, well, they had mental health issues. Well, they had a hard life. And so those are just great examples of how media can truly spin a negative narrative and continue to perpetuate targets on Black and brown people's.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so
0: that's something I think your viewers um, should just take note of in the future.
1: Absolutely. Folks, uh, NAACP.org, you can see some of these recommendations on the website. They live there. Uh, obviously, NAACP is continuing uh, to do all of this great work. If you've not already, I know many of you already have, but join the NAACP uh, and then yeah. meet us at the convention in Boston. Uh, yes, we're this, excited. This, we're this, excited
0: about that rubber market. Yeah. I hope to see you there. Absolutely. I, I,
1: yes, I will. I will be there. Count on it. Keisha Dana Ryan here with us. Keisha, we thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thank you too, Robert Mark. I'm just very pleased to be on your show, and I hope you have a wonderful day.
1: Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister or brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand, and above all